Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. This podcast contains language that some may find offensive. Words like f- sh- dumb fuckery and damn stupid m-. So if that's something that you don't think you can handle, then now is the time to get the fuck out of here. But all funnies aside, this podcast does contain subject material that some may find either disturbing or otherwise triggering. After all, this is a podcast about some of the worst people who have ever walked the earth, and they tend to do rather heinous bullshit. So if you haven't turned this off by now, here's the intro music. This is another fucking guy with a podcast, episode 29. It's a podcast about myths and disinformation, propaganda, propagandists, rat fucking liars, grifters, and all the poor fucks who believe them and help them accelerate the planet towards somehow even more of a dystopic fucking hellscape. So, as you can imagine, it's the most upbeat, feel-good podcast available on the internet. And with that out of the way, here's the episode. Real quick, you can follow me on Twitter at fucking underscore podcast if you want to follow another fucking guy on that hellscape of a website. My tweets are worth what you pay for them, I can promise you that. And if you have the financial means and you like my shit, which, thanks, you can support the show by becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com forward slash fucking underscore podcast. But if not, just give me a follow on Twitter at fucking underscore podcast. So, in case you've been living underneath a rock and you live in the state of Texas or anywhere else in America, a majority of Democrats in the Texas House of Representatives took a bus to the Austin, Texas, the capital of Texas, international airport and flew to Washington, D.C. on Monday. They fled the state to deliberately break quorum, thus stalling a special legislating session called by Texas Republicans that, on Monday, had just 26 days left. With too many representatives out of state, as per House rules in Texas, 
the special session cannot resume until they return. And oh my God, are Texas Republicans having a fucking fit about it? Republicans have reacted to this in their typical fashion of employing law and order rhetoric, calling their bolt to D.C. an abjuration of their sworn duty to do their jobs or whatever the fuck, with Texas Governor Greg Abbott threatening to have them arrested upon return and some Republicans threatening to sick Texas law enforcement on them to track them down and forcibly bring them back to Texas, which... Since the Democrats who fled are in Washington, D.C., this would mean sending Texas law enforcement outside of their jurisdiction to accomplish what's known in Texas House rules as a call of the House and a warrant to, you know, compel their attendance back to the special session in Texas are civil processes. So anyone saying that they should be arrested for dereliction of duty as a criminal offense, they they just don't know what they're talking about. The warrants are not valid outside the state of Texas because what the Democrats have done is not a crime, nor is there any extradition process available to Texas Republicans. The last time Texas Democrats broke quorum and fled the state was in 2003. Texas Republicans asked the attorneys general in Oklahoma and New Mexico if Texas troopers could arrest the lawmakers in their states without a warrant and bring them back to Texas. Yeah, both states said no. They also asked the feds if they could step in. Both the FBI and Department of Justice also said no. It's an empty threat, but I guess it makes those Republicans sound all tough and serious and stuff, which is the goal, I guess. Governor Abbott also threatened to withhold their pay, which um, for elected Texas officials is $7,200 a year, plus $221 per diem for each day that Congress is in session. That's right. You heard me correctly. That's $600 a month. Yup. Texas pays its elected officials practically nothing, which prevents people of limited means from seeking elected office in the state of Texas, which is the whole point of such an absurdly low salary. But yes, the angry threats are being leveled against Democrats for their act of righteous desperation here. If I were one of the Democrats in D.C., I would volunteer to go back to Texas right now and march my ass into Greg Abbott's office and fucking challenge him to arrest me. I dare you, Greg, because either way, the optics for you are fucking horrible. You want to arrest me? Well, the cameras are rolling. Yeah, the more attention on this, the better, in my opinion. Republicans are going to say and think whatever the fuck they want because they always do, but it's the Democrats across the country, the complacent ones, that Texas Democrats are trying desperately to reach out to, to get them to give a shit about what's happening in Texas and what's happening in red states across the country. And the focus right now seems to be on what Democrats in Texas have done, which is they've fled the state in protest. But it's the agenda for the special session that should be at the very least raising eyebrows, if not spurring full-on nationwide demos in staunch opposition to it. But there aren't any. Not exactly sure if Texans or Americans in general are just burnt out or if they genuinely don't give a shit and have jumped on the nihilist black pill train. 
But it doesn't seem to me that there is nearly enough opposition to these dangerous agendas in red states across the country. Governor Greg Abbott has said that he'll just call as many special sessions as needed to pass his deranged agenda. And Texas Democrats are well aware of this. They're not stupid. They're using their time in D.C. to urge lawmakers there to pass voting rights legislation at the federal level to prevent states like Texas from passing voter suppression bills. They're also bringing more awareness and discussion to the fight against this onslaught of Republican bills designed to chip away at and straight up destroy voting rights in red states across the country, including in Georgia, Florida, Arizona, Oklahoma, and a bunch of other states. Hundreds of proposed bills and dozens already passed designed specifically to restrict access to voting and thus democracy. The United States Supreme Court earlier this month ruled in favor of two Republican voting restrictions in the battleground state of Arizona. The first rule bans third-party collection of mail-in ballots, which has never been an election integrity risk because of ballot verification processes, which Republicans never bothered to mention or even understand, apparently. And the second rule requires ballots cast in the wrong precinct to be thrown out which, again, was also never a security risk. These restrictions on how ballots are cast are a direct result of Donald Trump's incessant and completely unfounded and baseless claims of widespread voter fraud. I know that goes without saying, but I have to beat the dead fucking horse. The SCOTUS decision handed down on July 1st, 2021, effectively gutted the 1965 Voting Rights Act which outlaws voting restrictions that result in racial discrimination. Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act was gutted in 2013, when the court decided it was unconstitutional to use the formula in Section 5 to determine whether a state or locality has a history of racial discrimination, and thus requiring pre-clearance from the federal government in order to enact any voting restriction at all. Yes, in 2013, Section 5 and the preclearance rule was gutted by the right-leaning Supreme Court of the United States of America. But for an example of what Section 5 would prevent, when Texas Governor Greg Abbott restricted the number of ballot drop-off locations a month before the 2020 presidential election, that action would not have even been attempted if preclearance under Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act hadn't been eviscerated by the Shelby County versus Holder decision. Civil rights and legal experts consider that decision, the one that gutted preclearance, one of the most catastrophic blows to civil rights in the history of the Supreme Court. But ever since 2013, Democrats have relied on Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act which bans racial discrimination in election practices. And the Supreme Court decision this month gutted that section as well, defanging much of what gave that law its power against racist, anti-democratic politicians. According to six of the nine justices currently presiding on the Supreme Court of the United States, all of whom appointed by Republican presidents, Section 2 was apparently too radical in protecting against voting restrictions designed specifically to discriminate. The voter suppression tactics adopted by Arizona Republicans, for example, disproportionately impact those of lesser means and people of color, 
But since the text doesn't explicitly state that that's the goal to discriminate, the conservative justices decided that protecting against voter discrimination was less important than protecting against the myth of voter fraud. Yeah. So the next time that somebody says that it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat that is the president, please just, you know, haul off and punch them directly in the fucking mouth. If Democrats had been in power during, say, I don't know, the Nixon administration, the Reagan administration, the George H.W. Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration, and the Trump administration, we wouldn't even be talking about this shit, let alone having to defend democracy as we know it from these fucking assholes trying to create a one-party system. The laws that disenfranchised black Americans in the South and established Jim Crow did not explicitly say that they were disenfranchising black Americans. They didn't explicitly say that they were creating a one-party racist state, and neither do these new bills today. But that's exactly what they were intended to accomplish. And no matter what Republicans tell you, no matter how much they shriek about election integrity or whatever the fuck, that's exactly what these laws are. They are Jim Crow 2.0. And what the dismantling of the 1965 Voting Rights Act over the last decade or so has wrought is an opening of a door that might not be so easy to shut. Thus far, since the 2020 election loss of Donald Trump, 14 Republican-controlled legislatures have enacted 22 laws, making it more difficult for those of lesser means and people of color to cast a fucking ballot. Hundreds more have been introduced in 48 states across the country. And if you don't know, there are only 50 states in the United States. And Texas has introduced the most restrictive voting bills in the country. That is why Texas Democrats are trying to, at the very least, bring attention to this anti-democratic bullshit and are urging representatives in Washington to pass renewed federal voting rights laws. Their hands are tied in the state of Texas. They do not have power. They don't have a majority. The only thing they can do is to urge, beg the federal government to do something about this. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aside from outright voter intimidation, death threats, and literal murder, the myth of voter fraud has been the go-to scare tactic used as justification for laws making voting access either harder or outright impossible for people of color, women, and the impoverished going back at least since the United States was in its infancy. Most reported instances of alleged voter fraud are traceable to other sources like clerical errors, faulty data matching practices, or just, you know, benign voter error. 
all of the bullshit peddled by Trump and his rat fucking shit pushers regarding supposed evidence of voter fraud was eventually accurately attributed to either misinterpretations of data, false conflation of administrative or voter error with actual nefarious malign criminal behavior or just straight up outright lies. Both voter impersonation as well as non-citizen voting are so exceedingly rare in the United States that it's actually far more likely to be struck by lightning than for an American to impersonate a voter or for a non-citizen to successfully vote in a U.S. election. On November 11th, eight days after the 2020 presidential election and four days after the networks called the race for Joe Biden, Texas's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick launched a bounty hunt, offering Texas citizens between $25,000 and $1 million for any voter fraud tips that led to a successful criminal conviction. To date, more than eight months later, Dan's bounty hunt has paid out a whopping $0.00 and 0 cents. And that's not for a lack of participants. A bunch of MAGA hat-wearing Texans alleged to have given critical information to Dan, but Dan has not paid out a single cent, nor has there been a single conviction related to the kind of voter fraud that Trumpist Republicans, like Dan Patrick, allege was rampant. But wild claims and scaremongering about voter fraud is nothing new in America. In fact, it's a tradition nearly as old as America itself. In 19th century New Jersey, lawmakers alleged that men were voting on behalf of women by casting their ballots for them, essentially voting twice. This, of course, was unsubstantiated, but it was a pretext to eliminate women's voting rights in the state of New Jersey. By 1807, New Jersey had completely eviscerated women's suffrage, based entirely on unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud. In the 1830s, Based on the lie that cities could not be trusted to hold honest elections, Pennsylvania lawmakers passed a law requiring voter registration that applied to the city of Philadelphia, but nowhere else in the state. This disenfranchised poor people who frequently weren't home when assessors came to register Philadelphians to vote. Wealthy men, however, cast their ballots without a hitch. In 1959, local officials in Louisiana purged their voter rolls, claiming that they were simply removing illegally registered names from the list. Come to find out, they had actually removed 85% of the town's African-American voters. This was so blatantly nefarious and racist that a federal court ordered the rolls restored. But countless more instances throughout American history tells a story of judges allowing lawmakers to get away with voter suppression tactics and laws so long as they can plausibly claim to be fighting mythical fraud, regardless of whether they can prove that fraud is actually occurring. And they never do. With the gutting of the 1965 Voting Rights Act by the Supreme Court over the last decade or so, and the subsequent deluge of red state attacks on voting rights, coupled with the latest right-wing disinformation campaign designed to scaremonger about the integrity of American elections to rile up Republican voters, what we're witnessing is nothing short of yet another assault on democracy to tack on to the long-running history of voter suppression in the United States of America. 
And to be clear, the state of Texas already has some of the most strict voting restrictions in the entirety of the U.S. But both versions of the proposed voter suppression bills in Texas would put up even more barriers to democracy. One, no more drive through polling locations. Yep. This will mostly impact parents with children who can't find someone to watch the kids, especially single parents. And how would this prevent voter fraud if it existed? Well, it wouldn't. But that's not the point. If, for some reason, it still isn't clear, the point is to keep as many people away from voting booths and ballots as they possibly fucking can. 2. No more 24-hour voting locations. This mainly affects people who work night shifts or have busy schedules during the day, which are, you know, often people of lesser means. And how does this secure elections and beef up election integrity? It doesn't. Mostly because that's not the point. 3. Both bills place restrictions on paperwork requirements for those who help disabled voters and non-English speaking voters. This will likely reduce the number of people who can legally help those who need it to navigate an already absurdly arcane and complicated voting system in Texas. And how does this secure elections? It doesn't. There aren't any instances of a disabled or non-English speaking person having their ballot impersonated in modern elections. Not a single one. What they're trying to prevent is something that never fucking happens. It's a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. 4. The bills will make it much more difficult for election officials to remove poll watchers from ballot counting facilities. Yeah, they're trying to make it more difficult to kick out poll watchers that are oftentimes sent by political parties and partisan organizations, even if they're disrupting the counting and harassing poll workers. Yeah, so this ensures that Bubba Dumbfuck and Karen Qbrain can watch over the shoulders of poll workers as they're counting ballots, perhaps even your ballot. And to be perfectly clear, there are already actual poll watchers in all of these facilities across the United States every single election. Some from the Republican Party, some from the Democratic Party, and everyone in between. There are people already watching the counting process. There are also cameras in a lot of these facilities that are watching every step of every ballot that's counted. But I guess that's not good enough for Texas Republicans because they want, again, Bubba Dumbfuck and Karen Qbrain to also watch. So that's not great. Yes, let's definitely have a bunch of unhinged dipshits observing our elections. I feel safer already. <laughs> it's not funny. It's, fu it's fucking crazy. But here we are. And they're definitely going to, like, take pictures of ballots, which they're not supposed to do. But they're going to harass election officials and volunteers that are counting ballots in a room that's already being observed by Republicans. We don't need fucking QAnon fanatics in there. But this kind of access to ballot counting rooms and facilities that these paranoid conspiracists will now have access to if these laws go into effect, and they very well might, this kind of access that these unhinged people will now have access to is unprecedented. And yes, the law doesn't say that anyone can just be in there doing all kinds of illegal shit. Like, it obviously says that you can still remove people if they're breaking the law. Yes. 
However, it also dissuades election officials and police officers from removing people that are disrupting the counting process by levying stiff penalties, including jail time, for people who are knowingly removing poll watchers that they just don't want in there. The penalties are stiff. And any unhinged person that's removed will definitely take advantage of that part of the law that says that they can sue them for removing them. Both bills impose 180 days of jail time if they remove one of these quote-unquote poll watchers. The jail time risk will dissuade anyone from removing these fucking idiots. So, five. The Senate bill imposes a litany of draconian civil and criminal penalties on election officials, political campaigns, and even individual volunteers who commit fairly minor violations of the state's election law. This dissuades people of lower means and people of color from volunteering to help our democracy function. It has nothing to do with preventing fraud. Again, none of this shit does. The goal here, though, is to make sure that only, um, I don't know, let's say mostly white Republicans are in control of Texas elections. Six. The Senate bill requires the state to compare its voter rolls against data inputted into the Texas Department of Public Safety to verify citizenship status. Voters who are determined to be non-citizens, even if this determination is wrong, will be purged from the voter rolls and determined to be ineligible to vote. These sort of voter roll purges are notoriously fucked. In 2000, Florida purged a bunch of names of supposedly dead voters and felons from its voter rolls, 100,000 names in all. But the purge was deeply flawed. A local election official at the time saw just how flawed it was when he saw three names of people that he knew on the list. A co-worker, the husband of another co-worker, and, wait for it, his own father. Yeah, so Texas is going to try something similar. And I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine because, you know, Texas Republicans that currently govern the state are, you know, known for their competency. It wasn't like we had a, a winter storm recently or anything and had rolling blackouts in a supposedly industrialized first world country. I'm sure they'll be able to figure out how to purge names off of voter rolls correctly. Yeah, it should be fun watching Texas Republicans fucking destroying democracy before our eyes. I can't wait. Seven. Yeah, there's a seven. The House bill makes it a felony for a public official to send out applications to vote by mail if the person didn't request such an application. And these are just a few examples of the many draconian penalties outlined in the bill. And again, how does any of this protect against supposed fraud? It doesn't! But <laughs> again, that's not the point of these laws. And the Senate bill makes it a felony for most people to engage in something called ballot harvesting, which is just a pejorative term for people picking up absentee ballots and taking them to a polling place or a drop-off location. There's nothing wrong with this practice, and there's never once been an issue with it. But they're targeting this specifically because of a conspiracy theory concocted out of whole cloth by a right-wing rat-fucking organization called Project Veritas that lied about Elon Omar supposedly hiring goons to go harvest ballots and pay people to vote for her. Um, the whole expose that Project Veritas and James O'Keefe, the motherfucker who runs it, put together was total 
bullshit. The whole thing, top to bottom, nothing of substance, all bullshit, which I covered in much more detail all the way back in episode nine of this podcast. But that's the pretext. That fucking false bullshit, that fucking Project Veritas expose is the pretext that Texas Republicans are using to go after ballot collecting, even though it has absolutely no security threat to it whatsoever because of ballot verification processes. The entire goal with these stiff penalties surrounding an already complicated array of election rules in Texas is to trap election officials public officials, and volunteers into making honest, simple mistakes that can easily be corrected, slapping them with a felony and threatening them with hard jail time, only to turn around and say, see, I told you these people were trying to cheat. Except it won't be cheating and it won't be fraud. They're trying to will something that doesn't exist into existence by setting out a bunch of booby traps in the hopes of catching Bigfoot. And while they're at it, they're trying to rig democracy for themselves. Yeah, they're the ones trying to cheat by making it harder for people who are more likely hostile to their kind of politics from being able to vote against them. How convenient. And this is nothing new. Conservatives in this country have been rigging democracy since, well, the inception of the fucking country. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 40 states and the District of Columbia all offer online voter registration, but Texas and nine other garbage states refuse to offer it to their citizens. And there's only one reason why. They don't want new voters. They very much like the old guard. And by old guard, I mean old white people. And they're hell-bent on preserving that demographic for themselves, to preserve their ever-shrinking grip on the reins of power. You think they're stupid? They're very aware of demographic shifts. These voter suppression tactics are designed to prolong the GOP stranglehold for as long as possible, while disenfranchising as many people as they can along the way in very specific demographics, especially in places like Texas that have seen continuously an ever-shrinking majority for Republican power. They see the trends, they know what's going on, and they're shitting their pants. And they're trying to bring democracy down with them, which is not great. But, as though voter suppression wasn't bad enough, it's actually far from the only thing on Texas Republicans' list of priority items in their latest special legislating session. Yeah, I know, it's fucking crazy, but there's more. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, who, by the way, can go entirely and categorically fuck himself posted a week ago his list of priority items, and it's categorically batshit insane. Situated at the very top of the list in bold lettering says, Bail Reform. And no. 
to the surprise of literally nobody, it's not the kind of bail reform that's so desperately needed in Texas, if not an abolition of it entirely, which is what we actually need. No, it's bail reform in the sense that it would make it even more difficult for poor people to pay the required amount of money to go back home to their family or to their job pending trial. Two, proposed bills in Texas would keep more people accused or previously convicted of violent crimes in jail before trial unless they can post cash bonds. One proposal aims to strip human rights organizations their ability to fundraise for people who can't afford to post bail awaiting trial. Republicans argue that we can't risk accused criminals posting bail and getting out of jail and possibly committing another crime while awaiting trial. That would be crazy. And I'm tough on crime as well, so that's, that's, we're gonna have to do something about this. <laughs> but the bail bond system doesn't stop people who have money from posting bail. Bail systems always work like this. They discriminate against those of lesser means. But Texas Republicans want to make it even harder for people of lesser means to post bail, as if that's even possible, but apparently it is. And both bills, the House and Senate versions, would outright ban courts from releasing certain defendants on no-cost personal bonds at any point, stripping judges of legal discretion. Both bills would force even more legally innocent Texans to purchase their freedom even before their first court date. The House version of this bullshit would create a statewide risk assessment tool for judges when estimating the likelihood of a defendant committing another crime or skipping court dates. Which sounds okay, but the tool, a critical piece championed by Governor Greg Abbott, is mistrusted by bail reform advocates who say its focus on past criminal convictions and criminal records will just perpetuate existing racial disparities in the criminal justice system. And unfortunately, the chances of them being correct about this assessment is fucking high. Lakita Garcia with the Texas Organizing Project told the Texas Tribune that, quote, risk assessment tools make people without money seem riskier. They just reinforce systemic racism by labeling black and brown people as higher risk, end quote. And given the history of Texas's criminal justice system, yeah, this is exactly what would happen. The House version of the bill also includes a provision that bars no-cost bail postings for anyone accused of participating in a riot. Huh. I wonder why they included that in there. Perhaps because there was, you know, I don't know, a bunch of black people protesting police violence last summer? <sighs> yeah, that's why. And if you're fucking wondering why I even have a problem with this, listen to what the fuck I'm saying. Accused of participating in a riot, no bail. Not convicted of participating in a riot, accused of participating in a fucking riot. Which we know they've expanded the definition of to the point where, I, I don't know, you could just be standing on a fucking sidewalk next to a protest, which they're not always fucking riots. But yeah, if there's too many black people standing too closely together, then I guess that's also a riot. So no bail for you. It, it's just... It's so fucked and depressing. But anyway, the no-cost bond ban also included low-level assaults against police officers. So 
Krish Gundu, I'm uh, that's wrong. I'm sorry that I'm botching the pronunciation of your name. But yeah, with the Texas Jail Project said that this would lead to even more people with mental illness stuck in jail because of how common it is to see resisting arrest or officer assault charges tied to a mental health crisis. She said that spitting and negative reactions to being touched are common among people with mental illness and are too often considered assaults on law enforcement. She said, quote, We already have a huge problem of people with mental illness sitting in our county jails. This is only going to make that much, much worse. This is like pouring gasoline on a burning house. End quote. So, yeah, both of these bills are fucking horrendous. But I want to read you a tweet thread by Alec Karakatsani, a civil rights lawyer and social justice advocate. Quote, This is a story you won't hear on the news, but it's as important as anything you will read. Here's the story of one man who got lost in jail, and it says a great deal about our society. The man was arrested by sheriffs in Houston, Texas, for possession of methamphetamine. He was kept in a cage before any legal proceedings, unless he could pay a predetermined amount of cash, a problem across Texas. He was too poor to pay, so he stayed in jail. Court records show that cops, prosecutors, and judges knew that he had, quote, been determined to have a mental illness or to be a person with an intellectual disability by the local mental health authority, end quote. Even though no one believes that caging a human being with mental illness or intellectual disability for drugs will do any good for anyone in our society, human caging is literally the only response that police, prosecutors, and judges know. Their budgets depend on it. Alec goes on, quote, Based on court records, it looks like everyone forgot about the man. He was appointed a private contract lawyer, and there's no evidence that his lawyer even filed a single request for his release. Neither the DA nor the judge even bothered to bring him to court. This is common. In Texas, many lawyers make huge money in a corrupt system where they work with judges to secure lucrative private contracts to represent the poorest people. These rich lawyers and judges block the creation of quality public defender offices. Texas relies on cash bail and corrupt prosecutors, judges, and cops to keep people in jail unless they pay enough, and they all benefit. Only the United States and the Philippines allow this kind of for-profit bail bond system to make profit from separating families before trial. Prosecutors and judges know that poor people face enormous pressure to plead guilty just to get out of jail. And mass coercion to plead guilty is the only way to keep their assembly line efficient. Harris County in Houston, Texas, is the exoneration capital of the world for wrongly convicted people. After six months, the man wrote a desperate letter to the court, begging someone to notice him. He begged to plead guilty and get probation. No one cared. He remained in a cage without any court hearings to release him for another month then two months, then four, then six. Finally, after six more months, the court had a hearing to hear from the man. He had been in a cage for more than a year, even though he was presumed innocent of the drug possession. The court released him for free immediately as people were dying from COVID-19 in the jail. Yeah, I'm going to interject here. It took a fucking global pandemic 
for them to notice where the fuck this guy was. But Alec goes on, quote, He has been free for one year with no sign of any problems. But since he's free, they can no longer coerce him to plead guilty. And there is a backlog of cases. So prosecutors in the bail industry are urging Texas legislature to expand cash bail. They know jailing coerces guilty pleas. He says, quote, I often post about jail deaths, but much of the pain and suffering inflicted by prosecutors and judges never makes the news. Bureaucrats show horrific indifference to human life in cases like this each day. There are 6,000 people just in the Houston jail who cannot pay cash bail. And the last tweet in Alex's tweet thread here links to three civil rights organizations that I'll uh, provide in the show notes in the description, as well as a link to Alex's tweet thread. But the bottom line here is that in places like Harris County and across the country, excessive use of cash bail violates defendants' basic civil liberties. And that's just an objective fact. And Texas Republicans are trying to make this situation even worse. Yeah, and Alec tweeted on July 8th, quote, The Texas legislature is on the verge of dramatically expanding the cash bail system in Texas. If the bill passes, more people will die. More families will be separated. More people will lose their jobs, housing, and medical care. End quote. Yeah, how exactly does this help anybody? It doesn't. The cruelty and the corruption of it all is the point. Another top priority on Texas Republicans' agenda is social media censorship. And they're trying to pass a bill that would likely cost the state millions to litigate, but it's politically viable among Republican voters at the moment because, you know, they're really upset that they can't post dangerous pseudoscience and lies on major social media websites without having their posts flagged or removed. They could always just use platforms that don't censor what they want to post, but that's no fun. How exactly do you own the libs when the site you're using only contains like-minded science deniers and conspiracy theorists? You see the problem here? But thankfully, Texas Republicans have a solution. Proposed legislation in the Texas Senate would prohibit social media companies from blocking speech based on users' viewpoints and it would impose attorney's fees on the companies if they violate those rules. Unfortunately for Texas Republicans, this is a direct violation of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The very same free speech they claim to be trying to protect? Yeah, this proposed law itself violates the Supreme Court's First Amendment jurisprudence on all counts. And, yeah... Social media censorship, or more aptly, moderation of the content on their websites, and how they do it is a topic worth discussing with serious people. But before having that discussion, Americans have to reckon with some facts first. Social media companies are private actors who have the right to determine what kind of speech is or isn't allowed on their platforms as per the U.S. Constitution. You know who doesn't get to censor or compel speech according to the U.S. Constitution? The government. Texas will almost certainly lose this battle, but the Supreme Court is currently stacked with right-wing activist judges who've already made an array of horribly stupid and wrong decisions. So I guess anything's possible. And that very well may be why states like Texas feel so confident in even proposing these kinds of things in the first place. 
In fact, I know that's why. But the politicians who get behind these sorts of bills don't care about their constitutionality. They only care about how popular they are among their voter base. They work politically, regardless of any ramifications or constitutional muster. It's essentially a political fundraiser. In fact, it is literally a political fundraiser because they fundraise off of this shit that they know is not constitutional. So it has no substance. It's likely going nowhere, but the politicians pushing it are making money from it. A fundraiser. Oh, and speaking of fundraisers, Donald Trump's recent announcement that he's suing the major social media companies for quote-unquote illegal violation of his free speech rights? Yeah, Donald's free speech was never violated. The First Amendment doesn't give anyone the inalienable right to use Facebook. (laughs) And they know that. But Much like how GOP voting restrictions aren't meant to prevent voter fraud, despite their claims to the contrary, Republicans' empty threats against social media companies are not meant to uphold free speech under the law. They're designed to get enough of their supporters pissed off at those companies to put enough pressure on them in the hopes that they either change their terms of services or simply loosen enforcement of their user policies. But mainly, the threats are meant to rile up their supporters and rake in donations. Uh, Why else would Donald be holding rallies when he's not even a candidate? More than three years out from a presidential election. Well, the answers from his supporters vary, but uh, it's usually one of several things. One, he just really cares about the country. (laughs) Sure. Two, he's psyching up and preparing his base for when he's reinstated as president of the United States come August of this year. Yeah. That's actually when many of Trump's most pilled supporters believe that Joe Biden will be, I guess, escorted out of the White House and Trump will move his shit back into it. Um, why do they believe this? Well, because Mike Lindell believes it. (laughs) But it's all a grift. Trump doesn't come up with these conspiracy theories. He just uses them to siphon money away from his pilled-as-fuck sycophants. But anyway, to be clear... Social media companies don't just censor and ban conservatives. That's a lie. Plenty of leftists have had their content and accounts removed as well. But you don't hear Democrats complaining about it because the Democratic Party doesn't actually represent real leftist groups in America, the way that the Republican Party now represents far-right groups thanks to Trump. But the proposed Texas law penalizes social media platforms simply for removing harmful content. The language in the bill says that no social media platform can remove content because of, quote, the viewpoint of the user or another person, end quote. Okay, well, that would ostensibly include hate speech from, um, I don't know, white supremacists, Nazis, radical Islamic terrorist groups, bullies, medical misinformation and disinformation posted by hostile foreign governments. After all, it's their viewpoint, so They must be free to say it on a private company's platform. Fuck that. And fuck the GOP and their reactionary populism. This isn't sound policy. This is reckless bullshit. And the Texas Republicans are one of many red state legislatures riding the coattails of Trumpist chaos. (sighs) But another priority item for Texas Republicans. Yeah, there's another one. (laughs) And I'm not going to get to all of them, but... Here's another one. 
It involves cracking down on what Republicans call abortion-inducing drugs. Because apparently, it isn't quite dystopian enough for Texas to restrict abortion access to the point where it's effectively outlawed completely, with the passage of the pseudoscientifically named heartbeat bill. And as I discussed in a previous episode, it's not a heartbeat. But this bill bans abortion as early as six weeks, uh, before most women are even aware that they're pregnant. Um, the law also deputized Texas citizens to act as a kind of Gestapo to police their communities and report anyone they suspect of having received an abortion procedure outside the six-week window. Yeah. For many people, Texas is a hellish dystopia. Now, as if that wasn't enough, Abbott and the Texas GOP want to ban doctors from prescribing abortion-inducing drugs by mail or delivery service. They also want to toughen up the citizen reporting Gestapo section of the anti-abortion law. Because I guess Gestapo tactics can always be toughened up. Jesus, fuck. But this law very well may restrict access to normal contraceptives like the Plan B pill as well, which is not an abortifacient. It is not an abortion-inducing drug. Last month, Planned Parenthood warned the public that the Missouri legislature had falsely classified contraceptives like the Plan B pill and intrauterine devices like IUDs as abortifacients, abortion-inducing drugs in a draft bill that's completely fucked on so many levels. Dr. Colleen McNicholas, an obstetrician and gynecologist with Planned Parenthood of the St. Louis region, told St. Louis on the Air that classifying those drugs as abortifacients isn't just misleading, but that it's wholly inaccurate. Quote, An abortifacient is only a medication that can interrupt an established pregnancy. None of the medications that have been included here the progestin levonorgestrel, or the medication Ella, also called olipristal acetate, or even our IUDs. None of these medications interrupt an already established pregnancy. So, by definition, it's not true that these are abortifacients. This is an intentional and dangerous conflation of abortion-inducing medications and medications we use for birth control or other gynecologic disorders. End quote. Yeah. So, not only are these fucking Republicans trying to ban abortion in all forms and fashions, but they're trying to sneak in contraceptives in their blanket bans. And they're doing this because they feel like they can get away with it, due to the Republican defacement of the Supreme Court of the United States. We very well may be on our way to a Supreme Court decision that ends up allowing states to not only ban abortion, but to also ban contraceptives as if it wasn't bad enough already. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, America's first-ever out-of-the-closet QAnon believer congressperson, to the surprise of literally no one, late last month gave an impassioned, albeit deeply stupid and ignorant speech on the floor of the House of Representatives in opposition to a recently passed bill that would ensure veterans receiving health care through the Department of Veteran Affairs would have access to contraception at no cost. Quote, Contraception stops a woman from becoming pregnant. The Plan B pill kills a baby in the womb once a woman is already pregnant. 
Marjorie confidently proclaimed without a shred of awareness that what she was saying was scientifically false. Plan B does not inhibit plantation, nor does it act as an abortifacient. Back here on planet Earth, Plan B prevents ovulation. So, there is no egg. So, there's nothing for the sperm to fertilize. It's a contraceptive, not an abortifacient. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a fucking idiot, and a dangerous one at that. But it's entirely unsurprising that she and many of her dumbfuck Republican colleagues have no idea what Plan B even is. But there are Republicans who do know what it is, and they want it banned anyway. And it's those people who are the scariest because they're more intelligent. They know the law, too, and they know what steps to take and when to take them to change it. But, as we should all be aware, none of these laws or any future laws in the U.S. will affect wealthy people or those who can afford a plane ticket. Abortion and contraception will remain accessible for those with the means to find access to it, whether that's in another state or in Mexico, Canada, Europe, or anywhere else. Who will be affected and who already are affected by these draconian laws are poor people, per usual. But that's the point. Have you spotted the fucking theme here? Yeah, it's fucking disgusting and it always boils down to trying to control people of lesser means. Constantly fucking pushing them around, telling them what to do, how to live their lives, without giving them a fucking shred of any help or aid whatsoever and then wondering, for some reason, why people still continue to do bad things or commit crimes. <sighs> Jesus Christ, I'm getting a little too excited. I knocked a bunch of shit over. <laughs> but yeah, their whole fucking ideology is so fucking stupid and contradictory and hypocritical and fucking crazy. But Governor Greg Abbott, as staunch a conservative as he's always been, has slipped farther into Trumpian politics due to Q-brained MAGA Texans having threatened his governorship unless he complies to their batshit stupid demands. They hated his weak COVID-19 measures. Not because they were weak, of course, but because any measures were even implemented at all. Abbott's voter base has become much more rabidly far-right since the rise of Trump, and especially since the pandemic, when many of them had time to incubate their already gullible minds down conspiracist rabbit holes on the internet. The pandemic was fucking horrible for people who are already of a conspiratorial mindset. People took advantage of this fact and were able to grab onto these people and take them for a fucking ride. And now we're witnessing the fallout. The Overton window has shifted far to the right, and conservative politicians and the Republican Party has to shift with it or risk losing voters. So, of course, they don't have any principles, so they shift to the far right. Mike Rothschild, in his new book, The Storm is Upon Us, which sets out to document the QAnon movement, had a great passage that I clipped from his book, Quote, if a great massacre for peace carried out by patriots on a mandate that supersedes the Constitution sounds troubling to you, it should. The problem is that for all the people who dismiss Q as a fascist fantasy, there are others who are drawn to it specifically because it is one. End quote. That passage sticks out to me because 
Although it's specifically referencing the QAnon movement, the same words of advice can be applied to the wider conservative movement at the moment. The same impulse mechanisms that draw certain people to fascist fantasy cults, like QAnon, where they believe they'll eventually get to watch everyone they don't like be executed via hangings and firing squads, are the same impulse mechanisms that draw other conservatives, as well as QAnon adherents, because there is overlap with them, to fascist fantasies of locking in GOP control of state and federal government with voter suppression tactics. Except, it's no longer a fantasy. Much like how QAnon adherents tried to carry out the plan during the January 6th insurrection, the GOP is actively carrying out a plan derived from much of the same people involved in the QAnon phenomenon to wrestle democracy away from the people with voter suppression. Those fascist impulses that make things like QAnon and the rightward drift of the Republican Party possible are the same impulses that draw them to strive for things like banning mask mandates from being implemented by their state governments, public schools, or private businesses, even though they're just temporary health measures. It's the same fascist impulses that draw them to ban outreach efforts to drive up vaccination rates in places like Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee just did that. To ban things like critical race theory from public schools, transgender and gender nonconforming people from sports, access to abortion and emergency contraceptives like Plan B pills. All of these things and more are derived from a deranged and fantastical belief in some kind of mandate. Whether that's from Q or God or whoever and whatever else. And it's fucking dangerous and it's actively hurting people along the way. Because as we know, people have fucking died from all of this shit. Preventing access to contraception and abortions has caused women to die by seeking out drugs and other things that will help them self-induce an abortion, which is 100% preventable with safe, legal access to abortion and contraceptives. And yes, I know that I'm beating a dead fucking horse, but sometimes I feel like I have to. Um, I know that I'm preaching to a choir, but maybe not. Maybe there's somebody listening that I'm reaching. So that's always in the back of my mind. But in the meantime, I guess, you know, fuck Greg Abbott and fuck the Texas GOP and all the rest of the GOP because they do nothing for anyone except for themselves. So hopefully they can all like find a cliff and like, I don't know, like fall off of it or something. I don't know. Maybe like a, I don't know, maybe like a virus or something that like only targets Republicans or something. I don't know. All right, that was episode 29 of Another Fucking Guy with a Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at fucking underscore podcast. And if you have the means, you can support me on Patreon. Same handle over there. And as always, thanks for listening.